0: Welcome to Love Your Heart, brought to you by Cleveland Clinic's Seidel and Arnold Miller Family Heart and Vascular Institute. These podcasts will help you learn more about your heart, thoracic and vascular systems, ways to stay healthy, and information about diseases and treatment options. Enjoy. We're gonna take a minute to
1: talk about you know, how these people do after these operations, you know, just to get a sense of uh, um, what's involved and uh, you know what it takes to do these procedures. I think that in the world of minimally invasive surgery, you know, having an operation that takes about an hour to do, and it takes about uh, a day in the hospital at most, then go home, and that's what majority of the people have. And within a couple of weeks, you're recovered from the robotic surgery. And if we do the endoscopic operation, you know, it's what they call the incisionless surgery, or there's no holes anywhere in the belly, then you know, if you haven't done it on a Friday, which is what we tend to do most days, and uh, by Monday, you're back to your old self you know, hopefully with a much better uh, eating situation. And so far, one of the things that we've done is that it's not enough to just do the operation, but we also do them and follow patients for a long time. And so we actually have a sense of how people do. And you know, we've been following patients now for well over 10 years and some people up to 15 years. And we know that for a long term, people, most people are doing pretty well. And I think that's the importance is, uh, is of treating people with achalasia, is not just taking care of the problem, but making sure that they are doing well long term and the problem doesn't come back. Um, so one of the things we're going to talk about is, uh, is very briefly, is you know, who gets what? You know, what are your thoughts on who should get what procedure? As you said, you know, we don't want to be the person that has you know one hammer in our toolbox so that everything you look at is, you know looks like a nail, right? So we want to see you know who do you think in your mind should be getting the Botox or the poem or um, or it's, a myotomy, or a pneumatic dilation?
0: Yeah, it's a great question, and I think yeah. what's really nice about uh, our treatment approach is when we have patients come for achalasia, we make sure they talk and get the gastroenterologist perspective, they get the surgical perspective, we give them the education and allow them to decide what treatment works best for them. All things being equal, uh, for someone who's young and healthy, I find myself leaning towards sending a patient for a laparoscopic heller myotomy for the reasons Dr. Raja just said. It really works well, 85, 90% efficacy in helping the swallowing, but it cuts that rate of reflux down to 10 to 15%, which is quite good. The palm surgery has similar efficacy for difficulty swallowing, but the reflux rates have been reported 50 plus percent. So those patients, you know, may end up needing to be on lifelong acid reflux therapy. Um, So we really individualize it to the patient and the type of achalasia they have, which, uh, you know, we didn't uh, mention prior, but there are a couple different types of achalasia. Uh, Do you want to talk about the surgical approach for the different types? Yeah,
1: sure. You know, the... There are three types of achalasia at the moment that is based on uh, certain criteria that we um, have come up with. Uh, and there's type 1 achalasia, which is that even though your esophagus or your food pipe does not squeeze in an organized fashion, it can sometimes squeeze all at once. So when it has that ability to squeeze, but very few of the time, then we call it type 1 achalasia. And this, these are folks that tend to rely more on gravity to help their food go down rather than the pressure in the esophagus. When the esophagus or the food pipe can squeeze the food down a little bit more, even in a disorganized fashion, then we call that type 2 achalasia. And these two are thought to be along the same spectrum. But you have type 3 achalasia, which is a the extreme on the other side, which is these disorganized contractions are very, very strong. And these are the folks that often have a lot of chest pain associated with it. And historically, the treatments, well, the, you know, the Heller myotomy, has not always been great at relieving. The chest pain, so we actually customize our treatment based on what they have. So for type one achalasia, and people for whom the esophagus or the food pipe is not very stretched out, we tend to, um, you know, for type uh, for type two achalasia and the type one where it's not stretched out, we do the uh, Heller myotomy. The POEM is a pretty good option for patients who have the type three achalasia because we can cut more of the muscle in the chest and that actually helps decrease their chest pain as well as let the food go down easier. And then of course, there are folks that have had previous operations. Someone's already had a heller myotomy. So going back in surgically is more challenging. These are perfect patients who benefit from a POEM procedure where you, have no, you can go somewhere else where the previous operation wasn't in. There are no incisions, there's no scar. So that's a great option for them. And of course, there's an area where people, if they, if they, one reason or other, want one or the other, we usually have the discussion with them giving people the advantages and disadvantages of each. And then based on what people want, we make a, a decision together as to what uh, what we should do. Uh, along the lines of achalasia, one, you know, uh, Dr. Gabbard and I have been doing these web chats every six months for several years now, and you know, you know, there's every night we get a lot of new questions, but sometimes we get the same question. So one of the questions I want to bring up here, and, and I want to take you to see, hear your answer on this, is that a lot of people have a lot of concern about achalasia and their risk of developing cancer, either from the achalasia or from maybe the reflux afterwards. What are you What are your thoughts?
0: it's yeah, a great question. I think most studies have shown that the risk of developing cancer with achalasia is low, but higher than it is for the general population. Some of the thought behind that is with time, if you have food, liquid, sitting in the esophagus, over time that causes a lot of inflammation high up in the esophagus, and they can get a cancer that we don't often see here called squamous cell carcinoma. So in my achalasia patients, I will generally offer them a scope every three to five years, even if they're feeling well, to make sure we're not missing any precancerous changes. It's not part of any standardized guidelines, but when we talk to our esophageal experts around the country, most esophageal experts are doing a scope every three to five years, even in patients who feel well after surgery for achalasia, to make sure they don't have any precancerous changes.
1: But in general, if I had achalasia, how worried should I be that I'm going to get cancer?
0: I think the uh, rough estimate is about one in 500 per year. So it's pretty rare, but it's common enough that we like to scope, uh, scope our patients every three to five years and make sure they don't develop anything. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. We welcome your comments and feedback. Please contact us at heart at ccf.org. Like what you heard? Please subscribe and share the link on iTunes.